0: Recorded live. Sunday morning here in the Midwest, which means it's time for another episode of Radio J-Dub. Radio J-Dub, the audio incarnation of the most interesting independent sports blog on the web. You can find us on Facebook, Pinterest, Instagram, Tumblr, Twitter, at Dubsism. email address Dubsism at yahoo.com. Look us up, follow us. Go to your favorite podcaster of your choice, give us a rating, give us a thumbs up, thumbs down. If you're a big fan of the podcast, share it, download it on multiple devices. We're on the verge of something really interesting here, and I I always open these podcasts now by talking about how this podcast and this, this Dubsism thing is really all about the contributors that it has. Um... If you go over to the blog at dubsism.wordpress.com, uh, uh, like I said, this is a Sunday morning uh, before the for the NFL actions getting started is when this is being recorded. But uh, JFI just dropped uh, another installment in his uh, series on NFL coaches, uh, the NFL coaches death watch. You're definitely going to want to give that a read. He's got some interesting opinions on some guys that may find themselves in trouble. Uh, he talks about how Ken Wizenhunt got it last week, and he didn't even have him on his list. Uh, but the, the other guys on his list, I uh, would love to hear your thoughts on them. I have some thoughts, because uh, originally he had my guy, Chip Kelly, on the list. He took him off the list. Uh, it's not about guys who I want to get fired, because as an Eagle fan, I'm I'm really, really done with Kelly. But it's not my list, so... Go over to dubsism check out uh, JFI's latest installment. Also, if you're a college football fan, did a piece this last week with uh, Neil Roberts from Sports with Neil, Taking a hard look at some, uh, some things in college football that your new uh, top 25 playoff ranking isn't going to tell you. Uh, there's some interesting thoughts in there. Probably going to be updating some of those thoughts in the upcoming week. Had an interesting night in uh, college football last night. We may... May get into that at some point, uh, largely because the ending of the Michigan state Nebraska game i've got a I've got a big problem with. I didn't want to get really a lot into college football. Uh, i tend to I tend to try and write that more than I podcast about it. but later on in the podcast I'm gonna end up talking about instant replay. and what happened last night, even though it's college football, this is a problem that's that's spreading through both levels of football, be it the NFL or college. Um, the instant replay people have created a monster, and they they got to come to terms with it because it's killing this game. Uh, got some other interesting projects coming up. Uh, we looking to do some work with Bruce Burns from uh, Sports Attitudes on a couple installments of Tales of Depression and Sorrow. Uh, as always, uh, check out what Chris Humphreys is doing over at Sports Chump. I haven't collaborated with him in a while, but the guy the guy writes smart stuff. If you're a sports fan, y- there's no reason why you shouldn't be following him. That's sportschump.net. Give him give him a look. One of the things that we've been doing weekly here is uh, we've been doing the J.G. Gambling Challenge with Ryan Meehan from First Order Historians, and we took a week off from that largely because... This exercise in gambling on the NFL has really driven it home that I don't understand this league anymore. And that's a lot that's a lot of what I'm going to talk about in, in today's podcast. So uh, once again, the, the list of usual suspects, you know, there's JFI here at Dubsism, there's uh, Neil Roberts from Sports with Neil, Bruce Burns from Sports Attitudes. Uh, Jeremy Weeby from J Sports Blogger and the Hockey Writers, Chris Humphreys, and the one, the only, Ryan Meehan from First Order Historians, the usual suspects, and our contributors. Our contributors and our partners are why Dubsism is the most interesting independent sports blog on the web. Now that we've set the table and did all the plugs, time to tell some stories.
1: And now, despite numerous requests,
0: Here's Johnny (laughs) Mentioned in the Open about the NFL Gambling Challenge. Um, For purposes of full disclosure, actually doing fairly well, despite the fact that I've taken a couple of real beatings. Uh, That Carolina-Indianapolis game last Monday night, that looked like such an easy cover. You're in the fourth quarter, and it's starting to look like you got that in the bag, and then all of a sudden Andrew Luck looks like he's not hurt or made a deal with the devil. I don't know what happened, but, you know, got that game into overtime, blew the spread, which was seven and a half. In an NFL game, you know you can't win by eight in overtime, so you're screwed. And it's not about that, I, you know, I lost a bet, so I'm butthurt about that. That's not why I'm saying I don't get this league. Um, but I'll get into that in a bit. The The, the real thing here is that you used to be able to tell a good football team from a bad football team. And let me preface that comment with this. Um, When I'm not an amateur podcaster, blogger, sports ranter type guy, um, in my past I've had management jobs most of my adult life. Um, Have you ever seen the movie Office Space? I tell people that, yeah, in in that movie, I was one of the bobs. I was, you know, the, the consultant that comes in to tell you what your company's doing wrong, to evaluate employees and say, that guy's valuable, that guy's not, blah, blah, blah. The point of that is that when you make a living spending time telling other people that their babies are ugly, you start to learn a lot about how to recognize things that work and things that don't. One of the things that I've always, always said about the NFL, and there are people who disagree with me on this, and frankly they can disagree all they want, teams that win in the NFL are teams that can run the football and can play defense. And one of the subsets of doing that is that you can control the line of scrimmage. Now one of the things I said a couple of podcasts ago is that there's a new thing in the NFL that trumps that, and that is you have a quarterback that changes the rules. And and I said there's two guys in this league that do that. One of them is Tom Brady and the other one is Aaron Rodgers. What am I what am I getting at here? Um I look at this league and I look at the product that the NFL is putting on the field right now? And it's not very good. Um, I look at the NFL right now, and if if you held a gun to my head and said, okay, top to bottom, what's the most complete, flawless team, or least flawed team in the NFL? I I gotta say it's the Cincinnati Bengals. Having said that, I wouldn't bet on the Bengals to win a Super Bowl. Because they have, you know, throughout their history with the, their current leadership, that uh, they can't get it done in January. Is this year different? I don't know, but I wouldn't bet on it. The team that you, if, if I had to bet on a team that's going to win a Super Bowl, I'd, I'd have to say the Patriots. Because, I mean, as long as Tom Brady plays at the level that he's playing, I don't see who's going to beat them when it matters. I don't think they're going to go undefeated. I'm starting to hear that talk. Everybody has an off day. You know, those things happen. The entire history of this league, there's only been one team that went wire to wire without a loss. Um, and you look at how many teams, how many, multiply that by how many seasons. It's just, it's a field bet. You know, you had one team that did it. I don't think it's going to happen again. I don't think it's going to happen this year. Um, either way, it doesn't matter. Um, <laughs> you, know, you go back to the Patriot team that went undefeated until the Super Bowl. And they don't talk about they went 16-0. and They talk about they lost the Super Bowl. So, um, the product on the field. In the old NFL, or in the NFL of my youth, say the 70s, the 80s, you could tell who was good and who wasn't. Um, that didn't make betting on them any easier because the guys in Vegas are really good at setting point spreads. And they know that you know a good team should beat a bad team by such and such points and, and these guys are out there to get your money it's what they do they're good at it but in today's NFL it has become such a week to week exercise it, it, even even within the same game you can you can watch two different things happen i mean that colts that colts um Carolina game is a classic example. The first half, the Indianapolis Colts look as terrible as we all really think they are, and in the fourth quarter, all of a sudden, they made it a football game. Um, the Seattle Seahawks, I mean, here's here's a team that's one Daryl Bevel slash Pete Carroll call away from winning back-to-back Super Bowls, and now all of a sudden, they look very mediocre. Um, we talked about the Patriots. Um, the Patriots, I think they're the odds-on favorite to win the Super Bowl. They're doing it with an offensive line that's made out of four sleepings and lunch meat. Um, that's a, that, that offensive line is a monument to coaching. What am I blabbing about here? In this league right now, there are two teams that may easily be amongst the five worst teams in this league and they're tied for the lead in their division I'm talking about the AFC South and I'm talking about the Colts and the Texans three wins apiece and they're leading their division one of those teams is going to the playoffs and I'll bet you money that one of those teams is going to get in the playoffs with maybe as few as six wins yeah and you can talk about this in terms of well, that's the problem when you have divisions, and we should just have the top sixteen teams, or blah 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 However, you want to, you do it, it's not the issue. Go around the NFL and, and tell me how many teams can you count on the fingers of one hand that are really very good? Patriots, Bengals, Packers. I I don't know. Was what happened in Denver a fluke? Guess we're gonna find out this afternoon. Um, Packers go to Carolina. There's another team we're gonna find out about. Uh, Carolina's given me a lot of things to say. Wow, they look pretty good, but Cam Newton is their whole offense. <laughs> if if there was, if you took the Patriots and you made a version of the Patriots and you sold it at Walmart. What you get is Carolina. The difference between Carolina and the Patriots is that Carolina's defense is for real. The Patriots, their defense is mediocre at best. But you look at the offensive side of the ball, and everything that the Patriot offense does revolves around Tom Brady. And everything that the Panther offense does goes through Cam Newton. Now, Cam Newton is basically playing running back. I mean, they, they are running 15 designed scrambles for him a game. Obviously, the Patriots aren't doing that because the Patriots have one of the best pure passers this league's ever seen. But uh, bottom line with Carolina, like, do I buy them going deep into January? Do I, do I buy them in a Super Bowl? Don't know. Like I said, Green Bay Carolina Day is going to tell us a lot of stuff about those two teams. I mentioned the Broncos a minute ago. That's another team I don't quite get. Um, on the one hand, that defense that defense is for real. They held Aaron Rodgers to 77 passing yards. Um, and what's amazing about Aaron Rodgers is that I never saw a guy look as good being as stymied as he was. He created every one of those 77 yards by scrambling, extending plays, um making smart decisions with the football. The Broncos just didn't give him a lot of options when he had to make those decisions. Um, if the Broncos can do that to one of the two best quarterbacks in the league, uh, they can they are going to they are going to cause a lot of people a lot of problems. Uh, the game today in Indianapolis. First of all, watch tune in to this Colts game and just see how many orange Peyton Manning jerseys you see in the place, this is why Colts fans are the worst fans in the league, because they will show up wearing gear from the opposing team. I don't give a shit if you love the guy, he's on the other team. (sighs) Had that rant before, that was when we talked about uh, the worst fan bases in the NFL, which is another great collaborative project by the usual cast of characters here at Dubsism. You can find that over at dubsism.wordpress.com deep in our archives. Search NFL, you'll find it. Let's get back to the Broncos for a minute. Defensive side of the ball, people are starting to compare them to the 85 Bears. That's that's the standard comparison when you have a defense that really can take over a football game, and and that defense can. Um, Offense. The offense is a problem. You can tell me what you want to about Peyton Manning in that game against the Packers, and everybody tried to tell me, "Well, you know, Peyton Manning's back. Look at, you know, I mean, he was completing passes. He's, I saw him overthrow a lot of guys. I saw, I saw a lot of guys making great catches, helping him out. Um, am I saying that Peyton Manning is is a terrible quarterback? No, I'm saying he's old thing that concerns me is the thing I've seen the last, you know, each of the last few seasons is that as we get deeper into the season he starts wearing down. Magnify that with uh, getting into cold weather. He does not play well in cold weather. He never has. The offensive line is terrible. can't run the football. The Broncos are going to do anything that's going to be on the back of that defense. And I said it before, I'll say it again. Um, you look at the playoff picture in the in the AFC, I mean, the Broncos got a three-game lead over the Raiders right now, but they better keep looking in the rearview mirror because I'm going to tell you right now, that Raider clean team doesn't suck. That's, that's a fair-to-Midland football team, and with their schedule, they've got a solid shot to end up in that 10-win neighborhood. First time I mentioned this theory, I... I was talking about the Chargers instead of the Raiders I clearly, clearly picked the wrong horse there, the the Chargers the Chargers are a great example of something that I also do not understand about this league not too long ago, Phillip Rivers became the first guy in the history of this league to throw for 500 yards, not commit a single turnover and still lose he's going to do it again, in fact he's going to do it probably two or three more times before the end of this season because he he's another guy. He is the entire San Diego Charger offense. You know, he's going to go out there every day and he's going to throw the football 75 times because that's all they can do. And that means he's going to put up stupid passing numbers, but he's not going to put any numbers in the win column. That Charger team's pretty bad. But if you're a fantasy football guy, boy, do you love Phil Rivers? He's, he's going to rack up points for you like crazy. Another another division in the NFL that just just flummoxes me to no end is the NFC East. Yeah, I know, it's the easy joke to call it the NFC East, but Washington's going to go into New England today, and they may be on the receiving end of one of the biggest whoopings We've seen in a while. Um, Washington is an OK team. They got some OK talent on defense. They got a few players on offense. They they don't know what to do with their quarterback situation. I mean, RG three is as, is as good as run out of town at this point. Kirk Cousins. Kirk Cousins is Kirk Cousins. I mean, he's a backup quarterback. He's he's not more than that. He's not less than that. But New england to New got something to prove. And that's that's going to get ugly. Why does this matter? You look at the NFC East, and that division's wide open. I mean, the Redskins could win it. Cowboys could win it. And then you say, well, the Cowboys, they, they, they're losing like crazy. If they get Romo healthy and back, this is another division where seven wins could, could easily win it. So until they're completely mathematically not able to get seven wins, they're not dead. Because the Eagles ain't going to run away from anybody. The Giants ain't going to run away from anybody. I mean, for fuck's sake, the Redskins are still viable. Go back to the AFC South. Jacksonville has two wins. means they're only a game out of first place. That team's terrible. You look at the wildcard picture of the AFC... You know, if you did that old season-end-of-today thing, your wildcard teams are the Jets and the Raiders. Let that sink in for a minute. Flip the page over to the NFC. Your NFC wildcard game, your, your NFC wildcard teams are the Vikings and the Falcons. I have no idea what to make of the Falcons. I've lost a ton of money on them this year already. I've lost a ton of money on the Saints. The Saints, they went Jekyll and hide on me. They looked like they could easily be the worst team in the league, and then all of a sudden, they're hanging 50 points on people. That's why I, I pumped the brakes this week, as much as I hate that thing, on the uh, J-Dub Gambling Challenge, because I don't have a clue who's good anymore. Um, I can tell you who the dumpster fires are. Um, Cleveland... Detroit. Pretty much, look at the guys that are on uh, JFI's coach's death watch list. Uh, that kind of that kind of tells you the story. I mean, he took Chip Kelly off the list. I think the Eagles are a dumpster fire. I think that you know their offense, you know, does just enough to hide a lot of very big problems. The first being that I think Sam Bradford is one of the worst quarterbacks in the league. And I think that every dollar the Eagles paying are paying him is just wasted money. Um, I've never been a fan of his. I never liked the Nick Foles trade. I could go on and on and on crying from my Eagle fandom about how much I hate Chip Kelly and how much I hate this offense. And, but I'm not going to do that. The topic today is the NFL is putting out a seriously bad product. Uh, NFL football... I spent all day, I had some weekend plans that fell through. And so for the first time in a long time, I had an entire weekend where I don't really have anything on my schedule. And so I got to watch a lot of college football yesterday, and I'm going to watch a lot of NFL today. And I'm going to tell you, I already know that I saw the best football of the weekend. College football, college football puts out an exciting, watchable product that keeps you riveted. I mean, yeah, you get games that are blowouts, but there are so many options. And if I'm watching a 42 to nothing blowout, I can change the channel. I'll get I'll get that, you know, 3-6 Florida Vanderbilt game that went right down to the end and we were, you know, seriously talking about a dental student as a field goal kicker. You don't get that in the NFL. You know what I get in the NFL? I get 30 penalties a game. The NFL, between the fact that now everything's a penalty, the refs love to throw flags, and that goddamn monster of instant replay, the NFL has now managed to take an entire three and a half hour football game and make it just like the last two minutes of an NBA game, which is probably the most thing in all of the big four sports. There is nothing worse than an NBA game that turns into a foul and free-throw shooting contest for two clock minutes that can last up to 25 actual minutes. This is what the NFL is turning into. Snap the ball, run a play, throw a flag, look at replay, look at replay, look at replay, long-winded decision about what we saw on replay, spot the ball, reset the game clock, rinse, wash, repeat. It's terrible. And the pace of the game is really being screwed up by all of this bad officiating. So I've bitched about it. What's the solution? Well, we ought to do the same thing in the NFL. I think we ought to do with, like, you know, the legal code in this country. And that is. We ought to take the NFL rulebook and get out the big red pen and just start getting rid of some stuff. Um, for one, pass interference. You know, you, we can't call pass interference any time a defender and a receiver make contact downfield. But that's pretty much what we do. And that's, that's bullshit. Um if you're not gonna let guys play defense, if you're if you're just gonna make sure that the game is so stacked in favor of the offensive players, well just, you know, why spend? Why would an NFL team spend any money on defensive players if they can't play? Pass interference is a problem. They got to do something about that. They got to do something about special teams too. Um, Everything in special teams now is an illegal formation, it's a block in the back, it's this, it's that. Why even bother running these plays if everything is going to be a penalty? You know, just, just you know, screw it, your team scored, these guys get the ball at the 25-yard line, let's go. You watch an NFL game, you're going to spend more time listening to the goddamn referee than you are the play-by-play guys. Especially if it's somebody like Ed Hockley, who loves to hear himself talk. Oh, by the way, he just happens to be a lawyer in his non-refereeing job, so that's why NFL um, decisions by referees are starting to sound like legal decisions. I mean, listen to them. Tune in NFL Sunday today, and listen to how long-winded referees' descriptions are getting. because the rules are too fucking complex. Time to simplify. When I have an NFL referee that says shit like, well, first the defense filed a motion, and then the offense filed a writ of habeas bullshit because 12 men on the field, they've been blocking the back, blah, 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 instant replay, it's conclusive, reset the game clock. That's what it is, and it's crap. And. Goodell, if you don't fix this. I really thought that, you know, even your blatant incompetency, Roger Goodell, I thought that even your level of stupidity couldn't kill off this league. And I still think you'll have a hard time doing it. But you're giving it a damn good shot, because when you lose guys like me, you're very close. Very, very close. losing the casual fan and that's what the success of your league is built on okay hardcore fans can get disgusted and they do and you know especially if they're like me and they get accused of being just a crabby old man that doesn't like things that change and maybe I'm guilty of that but even the biggest NFL fan is going to admit that the quality of this league has deteriorated in the last five years it's really not even up for debate Haven't said that. That's the problem that the NFL has on the field. I'm going to take a little break. Come back in the next segment, and I'm going to talk about some off the field issues, and we're going to get into we're going to get into the Ray Rice and the Greg Hardy kind of stuff. And there's been a lot of blather on this topic. Uh, this past week, we had a situation where some photos came out. Uh, regarding the Greg Hardy domestic violence case and there was a a lot of windbaggery that happened on ESPN over that and in all the talk I heard a lot of things that I think are frankly pretty frightening take a little break we'll come back and we'll talk about that back in a bit All right, before the break, billboard of this is uh, we're going to get into the Greg Hardy situation. And I'm just going to jump right in. You know, we all know what happened. We all know that we have we have a problem with domestic violence in the NFL. Like it or not, this isn't a new problem. Football players have been beating up their significant others as long as there have been football players. Um, face it. These are guys that are trained to be big, violent athletes and then we get shocked when we discover that you know they may be violent both on and off the field. Here's the thing, okay? You can talk about domestic violence as a scourge on society and it really is. I mean, people shouldn't be beating each other up. But there's also an issue with with the media here, okay? And when these pictures of this woman with these bruises all over her body, when these pictures came out, there was a lot of really red hot button reaction on the ESPNs of the world. Um, I saw a woman and I don't remember her name, but she's she's some talking head at ESPN, but she was foaming at the mouth mad over this. And she said a lot of things that really rubbed me the wrong way. And let me just go through what her comments were and understand that You know, I just said that I'm not condoning domestic violence. And it's going to be very easy to take some things that I'm about to say out of context and try and draw that conclusion. And if you do that, well, then you're part of the problem. Because we're not being honest with ourselves in the way that we've handled this situation. And the first thing this woman said that set off my radar was she drew a comparison between Ray Rice and Greg Hardy. And she said, you know, well, why is one of these guys out of the league? And why is the other one still in the league? And, you know, she's she's leading up to, she says, well, there's no place, there's no place in the NFL for Greg Hardy. Well, there obviously is because he's in the NFL. Whether you want to admit this or not, Greg Hardy is in the NFL because Greg Hardy can still play. What a lot of people don't remember about Ray Rice is that before the incident that got him essentially banished from the NFL, his career was on the decline. And you can't tell me that somebody out there, as desperate for running backs as some teams are in this league, that somebody hasn't called Ray Rice and said, hey, How'd they come in for a workout? Either he's not capable anymore, maybe he doesn't want to do it. For a while, I thought the reason why teams wouldn't touch him was the video, and they didn't want to have their team logo running under that video on ESPN when they, when they announced that they signed Ray Rice. And then I realized, well, that didn't stop the Cowboys from signing Greg Hardy. And that didn't stop the Cowboys from living through whatever they've lived through because of him. Now, I will be the first to admit, Jerry Jones has not done himself any favors by going out and saying some of the dumb shit he says, but man, that's a Jerry, that's what he does. Specific to Greg Hardy, okay? When this woman says that there's no place for him in the NFL, well, obviously there is. Here's why. there are approximately 1,500 guys that are good enough in any given moment to play in the NFL. The NFL is a multi-billion dollar business, which means if you're one of the 1,500 guys that can play, you're a valuable resource. And teams will invest in you if they believe that the resource you bring to the table will help them win. Winning football teams are worth a lot of money okay and that may sound like a double standard but that double standard exists throughout this country there are different sets of rules for talented people versus people who aren't you can write me all the hate mail you want for saying that but it's true okay Go down to your local car dealership. Look at the guy who is at the top of the sales board. He can get away with slapping secretaries on the asses and telling off-color jokes because he sells more cars than anybody else. If you're the bottom guy on the totem pole, you better mind your P's and Q's because that's just a reason to get rid of you. You, you, you tell a joke somebody complains to the HR people about, you're as gone as yesterday's newspaper. But so if you make a million dollars in sales a year, they're not going to touch you. They'll send you a little disciplinary letter. You know, don't do this. We might even send you to a sensitivity class. But you're not getting fired. I'm sure, it's a double standard. Don't have to like it. Got to accept it. It's reality. Okay. The next thing in the Hardy case that really, really bothers me this woman at ESPN went on to say, the Dallas Cowboys need to do the right thing and release Greg Hardy today. Well, why is it that releasing him is the right decision? And first of all, you got to ask yourself this question under the context of watching this woman. I mean, this woman is bright red in the face talking about this. She is mad. And I can't figure out why. She's not the woman who got beat up. She's not even related to the woman who got beat up. Couldn't even know the woman who got beat up. But yet she wants her pound of flesh out of Greg Hardy. And that's when I start to see what's happening. And that is now we have a case where somebody's got a political agenda and we're going to use we're going to use Greg Hardy and Ray Rice to start, you know, Foaming this narrative about how, you know, men are all domestic violence type guys, and you know half the problems that women have in this world are because of men, and blah blah blah. And I'm just so tired of listening to that. Okay. Here's the problem, and this is this is where this is where a lot of women and women's groups are going to get really upset with me. Here's the thing, okay? One, releasing Greg Hardy doesn't solve anything, okay? For the longest time, I thought, yeah, okay, you release the guy, you're out from under the PR problem. You, you can you can you know, wipe your hands and say, "Yeah, we took care of that, we're done. We cut him. we We learned our lesson. We moved on. Problem. You release Greg Hardy, and now, He's just free out there to do whatever he's going to do. So if he goes out and beats up another woman or, God forbid, kills somebody, headline in the newspaper is going to say, Former Dallas Cowboy so-and-so. You see this everywhere. Look at the Patriots. You know, Anytime a story surfaces about Aaron Hernandez, it's Former New England Patriot Aaron Hernandez. That's his title now. Former New England Patriot. Go to the college ranks. Go to go uh, what happened to Penn State a few years ago. Every time you have a story about Jerry Sandusky, the lead is former Penn State assistant coach, Jerry Sandusky. Former assistant head coach, Jerry Sandusky. It's his title. Point is you can't run away from the PR. Okay? So that's one thing that cutting party doesn't solve. You don't get out from under this. The only way you do is if somebody else signs him, and then he's their problem. But then that brings up another issue. By cutting him, we're just handing the problem off to somebody else, or we're leaving this guy to his own devices where nobody has any real control over him, and he could do God knows what. So now for the big problem. Okay? And I touched on it a little bit in that last sentence. He's like, nobody's got any control over him. When you have a guy under contract, when you have him employed, you can go to him and say, hey, we got a little problem here. We need you to uh, help us out with this. What am I getting at? Am I the only person in America that looks at Greg Hardy and sees a guy that has a mental health problem? So... According to this woman, the right decision is to release Greg Hardy. But why can't the right decision be to help Greg Hardy? I mean, pardon my French here, because I'm not a medical, uh, a mental health professional, but that guy is clearly not playing with a full deck. So, what does releasing him do? It. it takes an unstable guy takes away his ability to make a living takes away any input or any control anybody might be able to have over him and turns him loose that doesn't do anybody any good well the cowboys still have him under contract why don't you sit him down and say hey Greg got a couple of doctors here we'd like you to talk to now if he doesn't do it he gets up and storms out Well, okay, now it's on him now that's a whole different conversation But to tell the Cowboys that they got to just cut ties with the guy? Not a smart move. Like I said, one, he's a valuable resource. He's one of those 1,500 guys, whether you like it or not. And just because he's a bad guy or a sick guy, that doesn't mean that he's still not one of those 1,500 valuable guys. And so... Let's get to the distinction between bad guy and sick guy. Because I don't know for sure. Like I said, I'm not a mental health professional. But I look at Greg Hardy, and he shows all the signs. I mean, every time I've seen another sports figure that had a mental health issue, he was doing exactly the same shit that Greg Hardy's doing. Okay? So what do you do about it? Me? I, like I said, I want I want somebody to sit down with Greg Hardy and a couple of guys that have the letters MD after their name and, and, and they know what they're doing when it comes to diagnosing and treating mental health issues and tell me what I'm dealing with. If they come back to me and say, hey, yeah, this guy's got a diagnosable, treatable condition, then I'm going to say, well, okay, well diagnose it and treat it. Even if they're going to come back to me and say, well, Diagnosing and treating this means he's not going to be a football player anymore. And my answer is that I don't care. Help the guy. If there's a demon in his head that we can do something about, fucking help him. Cutting him loose doesn't do any good. In fact, it makes him potentially even more dangerous. You know, we're so worried about the woman that he beat up this time. What about the woman next time? You can't go back and change history, but you can damn well do something about the future. Okay? Now, on the other hand, if the, the guys with the letters MD after the name come to me and say, there's nothing diagnosable about this guy. He's just a bad dude. Well, now I've got a whole other set of decisions to make. Because, on the one hand, he is one of those 1,500 valuable guys. But on the other hand, that value can be taken away if he causes me a huge PR problem. Do I choose to keep that guy on my roster and see if I can use him to help my team win and therefore I make more money? Knowing that I'm running the risk of hanging on to the hand grenade too long? Don't know. It would be an interesting decision to make if I were faced with it. I would still rather focus on the first part of that. First step, somebody who knows how to tell me the difference between a bad guy and a sick guy needs to tell me, do I have a bad guy or a sick guy? I'm convinced i got a sick guy. And if he's a sick guy, let's help him. I mean, he's a human being. He's got every right... If he's got a definite medical issue, he's got every right to get help for that. And he's got every right to go on and 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 live his life free of that, that affliction. If he's just a bad guy, well he's a bad guy. Um, he'll bad guy his way into jail and that'll that'll solve that problem. A lot of people last point on this. A lot of people want to tell you that the the issue with the Ray Rice thing was the video. It was, and you could tell that ESPN tried to do the same thing with the pictures. The pictures didn't have the same oop for me, because what you're showing me is pictures of a woman with bruises on her, okay? And here's another place where, you know, women's groups will say I'm blaming the victim, but... I look at those pictures, and they don't tell me where the bruises came from. I'm I'm taking it at your word that they came from Greg Hardy, and they probably did. But with the video, pretty much not really a discussion as to how Janae Rice got knocked out. She got knocked out because Ray Rice punched her in the face. You saw it. Bruises, I don't know where they came from. I'm also curious and this is going to be where I get more of that blaming the victim stuff, but why did this woman stop cooperating with the investigation? Did she get paid off? Did she play a role in what happened to her? I don't know. I wasn't there. Frankly, I don't care. Because to me, the issue isn't about what happened. The issue is about what's going to happen. Okay? You can call for Greg Hardy's head all you want, but Greg Hardy going to play in this league. If Greg Hardy got released by the pa- by the Patriots, I'm sorry, by the Cowboys tomorrow, somebody else is going to sign him. Why? He's one of those 1500 players. League is full of guys that are either sick guys or bad guys. Okay? We can have a discussion about those guys all day long if you'd like to. But specific to Greg Hardy, said it before, I'm going to say it again, and that's what I'm going to end on. I think we got a guy with a legit mental health issue, and I think that somebody who is qualified to diagnose and deal with issues like that needs to do so. The right decision for the Cowboys is not to release Greg Hardy. The right decision for the Cowboys is to help Greg Hardy. That's my opinion. Like it or not, you're never going to hear that from the uh, politically correct police over the ESPN. Those people, they just want to take everybody, call them a bad guy, and then destroy their their ability to make a living. And that's not right. Got a comment? Got a thought? Want to call me an asshole? Want to call me a knuckle-dragging anti-woman piece of shit? Sharpen up your internet crayon and hit me. Dubsism. At wordpress.com is the blog. Got a big comment section waiting for you. Dubsism at yahoo.com. That's the email address. Hit me up. At Dubzism on Twitter. Tumblr. Pinterest. Instagram. D-U-B-S-I-S-M. Dubzism. The most interesting independent sports blog out there. Come talk to me if you disagree. Come talk to me if you agree. Come talk to me, period. This whole thing is all about giving sports fans a voice that they're never going to get from the corporate sludge pumps like ESPN. And sometimes those opinions aren't going to be warm and fuzzy like this one.
1: Help! I need somebody. Help! Not just anybody. Help! You know I need someone. Younger, so much younger than today. I never needed anybody's help in any way. But now these days are gone, and I'm not so self assured. Now I find a change of mind, I know. understand let me be your hawk